That fourth verse says, The strength of youth we lay at Jesus' feet today. Amen. It kind of helps with the message this morning. You know, our theme for family camp this year is growing. Growing. And uh, the whole destiny of Christian living really is all about that. It's all about growing growing in the Lord. And I'd like to use this verse, Katie, as our, as our verse for family camp as we begin to put things together as you and Andy work through that. And that is in 2 Peter 3.18, but grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, to Him be glory both now and forever. Amen. Now in the continuing theme of our Christian lives and family being liking to the building of a house, it's interesting to see the changes a home goes through as it adapts to the ages of our children. We start out with the perfect nursery, equipped with a crib, a mobile, and baby monitor. The rooms then morph into toddler toys with baby locks and gates everywhere. After that, the swing set, then a basketball goal, trampoline, a pool, then perhaps some form of a baseball field suitable for higher levels of play. We move from wiffle ball to fast pitch tennis ball to hard ball and the broken windows that come with that. For girls, it may start out with baby burps a lot. I don't know if there's one, but that just came to my mind. <laughs> to American Girl dolls, to kitchen sets, to easy bake ovens, to full-size playhouses, to professional cooking and baking stuff, and lest I forget, makeup, jewelry, hairdos, and nails. For boys, it's all about play, play, play. For girls, it's talk, talk, talk. <laughs> They're more of the social type. Things change with age. Though all ages are, in a sense, the same, they all are a form of growing up. The difference is in the change of the environment around it. And so it is with the methodology of raising children for the Lord. Today I want to focus on navigating the teen years. Navigating. Now I asked my wife about her opinion on teaching on a subject that our church families, for the most part, are not quite there yet. And she quickly reminded me of how the older children in church are at the doorstep of being what my generation termed as teeny boppers. Nonetheless, even if your child or children are smaller, it's good to understand where they are quickly headed for. And perhaps this message will help you lay some good foundational blocks down to ease them into that future teenage or young adult stage. In other words, there's some good things like that you can instill, like a good work ethic, serving, obeying, and pleasing parents that can be instilled early in their lives that will transfer into the teen years. You know, each stage of life builds upon another, like school. If you miss some of the basics in school, You'll later struggle through certain subjects and other more intense subjects. And we end up with is ill-prepared children for the responsibilities of adulthood. And as bad as that is, it's even worse 
from a spiritual sense. So may I encourage you who have young children to take note of what lays ahead so that you may have more appreciation and zeal to train and teach your children the foundational basics. If you understand that your child will be faced with geometry and algebra and perhaps calculus, you will never let your kids get away without not, not knowing the basics of math first. And the same thing it is spiritually. You better, we need to get them down. They're headed for a road of confusion, mass confusion. This world is mass confused with the Word of God. In all ages, there's battles. But you'll never fight more battles than those during the teen and young adult stage of living. Believe me. It is a battle not only for the parents, but it is a battle for the teen and young adult as well. The battles are external and internal. Challenging both parents and children to fight the flesh and grow in the Lord. Some of those battles are fighting self-pleasure seeking. Fighting boredom, or should I say activities of their liking with others who are equally equipped to join with them. Fighting the needs of friends and the stress of the lack thereof. Fights in bad friendships, fight for independence. Fighting rules or using the rules to gain more control. The fight of right relationship investments instead of with friends, but more with siblings and parents and elderly, etc. But especially that relationship with their Lord. The fight of raging hormones. The fight of more costly mistakes. Driving, hitting pools, scraping concrete blocks, and seeking to run over your own siblings. Been there, done that. Fighting mistakes with use of power tools. Kitchen fires and such. Fight worldly influence, music, sports, entertainment, and friends. Fighting selfish tendencies, fighting attitudes, laziness, responsibilities. The fight for entitlement. Fight of proper use of phone and social media, TV, clothes, etc. The fight fighting other immature teens. Bullying cliques and peer pressures. Fighting of unsure future direction, fighting of image issues, physical, spiritual, and mental, trying to find acceptance in all the wrong places. They have passed into being strong enough and smart enough to act like an adult, perhaps being a little quicker and smarter than their parents on a few things, especially in the technology areas. They have a part-time job with perhaps some pats on the backs for their performance. Perhaps they are attending college and feeling pretty important. They begin to gather some assets like a car and money to buy, and let me emphasize, some gas and some of their own food and some of their clothing. It is just enough things to feel like they are independent, taking care of all their needs. <laughs> There's a sense of accomplishment and pride that comes with that. They feel like they're an adult, but yeah, they're much farther away than they realize. A certain common blindness that unfortunately may be only cured when they get out on their own in the real world without mom and dad's support. At which point they come back and they say, mom and dad, I really appreciate all you've done. 
You know, it's the blindness and pride of a young person is what causes a young man to enter into the military to show what great soldier material he has to serve his country until the service shaves every piece of pride off of them, beginning with the beautiful hair he gelled it and combed three times a day. It is the pride that can cause a girl to run off with a boy or man for that sake, well before it's the right time or with the right one. Yes, the stakes are very high at these ages. Now, I don't recommend the tactics of the military to grow children up through these challenging years, but I do think it calls for tough love. In other words, there needs to be a firm push of instilling values, ethics, responsibility, and diligence into our teens to prepare them for that next step in life. But with all that, with an equivalent amount of love and acceptance that is just as evident to the teen or young adult. I believe the principle is the same for raising children through every age, to raise them in the love and admonition of the Lord. However, through the teen and young adult years, it's just like the medicine bottle says. It requires a heavier dose. This afternoon, I want to preach the message, PTSD, the teen years. PTSD, the teen years. Let's pray. Father, I pray you speak to our hearts and to our families today, Lord God, in a mighty way, to wake us up. Life is moving and it moves very quick. We end up in areas that sometimes we can get there unexpectedly and and be behind, Lord God, but may we be proactive in our training of our children and may we receive direction from you today through what can be some very difficult years. For some, we've been through it or on the end of it. Uh, For many here, they're they're getting ready to go into it or, or looking toward it. And so, Father, again, I just ask that you speak to our hearts today. May we hear your voice in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, my outline this morning will follow P for potential, not post-traumatic stress disorder. P for potential, T for time, S for selfishness, and D for direction. Now, I will say this, if you don't follow it, it might be PTSD. (laughs) But let's begin in that order, potential, first of all. There's the potential for good, greatness in our children. I know I painted a grim picture of the teen years, but these years can have great potential for good should you properly prepare them, pray for them, Study about them, take an interest, meditate about them, put your time into them. Now, if you're looking for perfection, it does not exist. You will make mistakes along the way. You may say, some people, oh, your kids turned out good. A lot of times that's an evaluation of comparison. But that is not the measuring stick. I fearfully think, what would the Lord say about His children that He put under my responsibility? There's a certain fearful thought about that. 
This one thing I do know is I did make my share of mistakes. I have. The key is that through all of this time, whether successes and failures, that we don't make excuses. That truth is acknowledged that there is godly sorrow, a getting back up, and a new commitment moving forward. Parents and children alike will make mistakes along the way. It is the parents and child's relationship with God that will get them through. I want you to think about this age like a rocket rushing through the earth's atmosphere into space before it burns up. I don't know if you got a mental picture of that, but there's this little layer. When that rocket shoots up, it's got to get through or it's going to melt <laughs> before it gets into space. It's a tough time. I'm telling you, it's a tough time. If you desire success, do not make the mistake of overconfidence and pride. I'll just tell you, I was in a church service. It's a big church service down in Lebanon, and it was a... <laughs> Get on your chair, run across the pews, crazy thing. And, and, this, and this one preacher was up there and he talked about this family and he was making fun of them. Who comes in with all their children right in a row and just step in, you know, and he was, he was making fun. Now there's a, I, I want to warn you of this. <laughs> no matter how good your family is, don't be parading them around thinking you got it figured out. I'll tell you, those families, and you've seen them, you've seen them in the news, they all, all up here, and then bam, where did they all go? Disasters. I like what Paul said about it. But I keep under my body and bring it into subjection, lest that by any means, when I preach to others, I myself should be a castaway. Take it humbly with your children and your family. Teens and young adults have great potential. Teens and young adults have an uncanny ability to be blinded to what can't be done. <laughs> I've seen it in sports. I've, I've, like when the boys were playing golf, these young boys, they, they just don't realize they can fail. They just go out and it's amazing what they score. They're really not that talented, but it's that mental thing that they just don't think about it. In gymnastics, you'll see these little girls doing amazing things and competing and winning gold medals in the Olympics. They just seem to have no fear at that, that age. It's amazing what they could do. Consider Lewis Braille. Invented the Braille system at age 15. PFC, Private First Class, Jack Lucas, USMC, earned the Medal of Honor five days after his 17th birthday at the Battle of Iwo Jima. He had already been a Marine for three years. At age 17, Pele, the famous Brazilian soccer player, helped Brazil win the World Cup in 1958, scoring six goals in four games at the age of 17. John D. Rockefeller, the richest businessman ever, if you consider inflation, began his first company at the age of 19. Steve Jobs, of Apple and Bill Gates and Microsoft began, began their business collaborations at age 19. But I'd rather refer to the scripture, 1 Timothy 4.12, Let no man despise thy youth. Talking to Timothy. But be thou an example of the believers in word and conversation and charity and spirit and faith and purity. 
The book of Ecclesiastes gives a warning to the youth, something to consider. Rejoice, O young man, in Ecclesiastes 11.9, in thy youth, and let thy heart cheer thee in the days of thy youth, and walk in the ways of thine heart, and in the sight of thine eyes. But know thou that for all these things God will bring thee into judgment. tells me, get your heart right. Didn't follow your heart. <laughs> and the judgment will be good. Some biblical examples of extraordinary young people in the Bible. 2 Chronicles 34.1 Josiah was eight years old when he began to reign. Now, I, I think he had some help at eight years old. But listen to this. And he reigned in Jerusalem one and thirty years, and he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord. And walked in the ways of David his father, and declined neither to the right hand nor to the left. For in the eighth year of his reign, if we got the math right, 16, while he was yet young, he began to seek after the God of David his father. That means he personally, he sought out God. And in the twelfth year, 20, he began to purge Judah and Jerusalem from the high places and the groves and the carved images and the molten images. These are the youth. Along with Josiah, there were other young men who did mighty things in the Lord. There was Joseph. What an amazing young man he was. David, killing Goliath. Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. But along with so much potential for good, there is also a high potential of bad. 1 Samuel 2.12 talks about Eli. It says, Now the sons of Eli were sons of Belial. They knew not the Lord. A godly man, listen to this, Eli, was unable to lead his children to the Lord. Without the Lord, without them being saved, they are failures. Even if they have worldly success, even if they're moral people, they have failed to know the Lord. They have bought the lie of the devil. But beyond failing his children, beyond Eli failing his children for eternity, though that is the most important thing, Eli caused them to fail in the temporal world as well and brought judgment on his house forever, it says. 1 Samuel 3.13, For I have told him that I will judge his house forever for the iniquity which he knoweth. Eli knew. Because... His sons made themselves vile, and it says, and he restrained them not. 1 Samuel 4.11 gives a conclusion. And the ark of the God was taken, and the two sons of Eli, Hophni, and Phinehas were slain. Man, did he fail. 1 Samuel chapter 8, verse 1. Here comes Samuel, the next one into the picture. This is, this is amazing to me. And it came to pass when Samuel was old that he made his sons judges over Israel. Now the name of the firstborn was Joel, and the name of the second, Abiah. They were judges in Beersheba. And his sons walked not in his ways. 
Now, I want to throw out a note here. It's good, and one of the most powerful things you can do is be an example to your kid. But a good example is not a guarantee for good children alone. And everybody has a choice. It says, but they turned aside after lucre and took bribes and perverted judgment. Then I want to move to Gideon. Judges 8.27, and Gideon made an ephod thereof and put it in his city, even in Ophrah. And all Israel went thither a whoring after it, which thing became a snare unto Gideon. And I want you to listen to these four words. And to his house. Now let's move from the first point of potential to the second point of the message, time. I want to emphasize in these years there's a great amount of time. Now, teens and young adults have a great amount of time on their hands. They don't have any more time than anyone else, okay? But they have availability not being loaded down with the responsibilities of adulthood. And they have the ability to act independently. They have strength. They have some skills and brightness. But the question becomes, who or what or where do they spend their time? And are you monitoring this? When your children get to be in their teens, parents are getting, I'll tell you, you get worn out. You're getting tired in life. You're looking for a rest somewhere. In it. You guys already know it. it's tough, even when they're young. But this is not the time to slack. Your teens kind of are able to act independently, not requiring all the time they required as a child. But that's a mistaken thought. Your teen may need even more of your time. But it's easy for them to get out of your radar at this point, and that is a lot what happens. What happens is a disconnect from the accountability of the parents and the waning of a loving relationship with the parents. All of a sudden, there becomes a separation. And, and a lot of our society kind of tries produces that. This is something you've got to fight, folks. Though it does not specifically say it, it makes me wonder if that's what the issue with Eli and Samuel were. Perhaps they were good examples, but were they distracted with their work, resulting in a loss of time with their children? Were the children like rich kids, in a sense, inheriting their father's business without regards to proper and strong work ethics. They just inherited their jobs. You see it with rich kids. They don't have to do nothing. They know they've got a job. They go play. That's why they go play all the time and get into trouble and stuff because they got it made. As a parent, however tempting it is to take a break, we must take the time to be involved with our older children and not let so great a relationship slip but to stay engaged. So we talked about potential. We talked about, we talked about time. Let's move to the point of selfishness. These teenage years seek the peak of selfish tendencies. And if you have them plugged into a school system, whether public, private, or Christian, 
there can be tendencies of appealing to self-esteem. They are the smartest. They're the most athletic. They're the most popular. There's programs, activities, and peer groups that lend to, listen to this, what they tend to do is lend to high self-esteem or on the negative, low self-esteem. He just kind of separates those two groups. Both of which will destroy your children. I've said it and I'll say it again. The only thing we need to be esteemed, we need to be God esteemed. God esteems us very well. We need to find our esteem in Him and that's where our children need to find it. You know, this is so great of an influence at this time that I still get invited to class reunions celebrating over 40 years of after graduation. The high school years to many people become a coveted life that keeps people from moving on. I'll tell you, one of the best things I did was saw that for what it was. And, and I enjoyed the people, and, and I've written letters back to the group and say, you know, I'm appreciative of all that was done. And I appreciate the people. God used them in my life. But I'm moving on, <laughs> folks. But I regret, I regret a lot of the things that happened in those years that were flat out wrong. And I, guard, I endeavored to guard my children against those wrong things. But Christian schools can have the same issues as they mimic and encourage the same activities that the school leaders coveted after in their school life. They're just trying to get that for their kids too. I want my kids to be like this. I want them to be a cheerleader. I want them to be the best in sports and, and all this. They just simply change words like proms to prims. Teenage years can be and are typically are the most selfish time of our life. Everything must revolve around us. This is the time when we should be teaching our children the real joy that comes when we get the focus off ourselves and onto serving others. And if you wait till they are teenagers to teach that, you are headed for an uphill challenge up Mount Everest. I remember and regret some things in my life where I became more important than the struggles my parents were having. They, and I had a good family. I, don't, I still really don't know what happened. My parents got a divorce, I get, in their 50s. They split apart. My dad kept the house. My mom lived in an apartment. It's a really strange thing. I can't even explain it. But this is what I knew. I should have went and lived with my mom. She needed me. But I, where I went to school at, where my friends were, what I was doing, why I stayed where I was at. It was miserable when I went down there because my mom was just hurt. But it was about me. That's really what it was. Teenagers are like that. They're about them. We got to prevent that. We got to get them in places where they see others, where they feel that joy of serving and living for others. We go up to the home to help somebody out there and to feel that joy, to, to understand that that's where life is. Hebrews 3.5, And Moses was faithful in all his house. Three words. As a 
servant for a testimony of those things which were to be spoken after. Servant is the highest title a Christian can have in the title of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Philippians 2, 4 through 8. Look not every man on his own things. Isn't that the opposite of teenage life? But every man also on the things of others. Let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, and took upon him the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. So we have potential. We have time. And we've talked about selfishness. P-T-S and the D is direction. Direction. This is pretty short because it's kind of the accumulation of all the other things. Hopefully we and our children are close enough to the Lord that we realize that His design for the family places great significance on the God-given ability for the parent to lovingly guide their children in the right direction. May we achieve this through careful study of the Word of God, through prayer, through church, and a true burden that results in spirit-filled witnessing to others. Proverbs 22.6 Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. During these teen years and young adult years, may we endeavor to see our children mature, prepared to send those arrows out headed in the right direction. Psalm 127.3, Lo, children are an heritage of the Lord, and the fruit of the womb is His reward. As arrows are in the hand of a mighty man, so are children of the youth. Happy is the man that hath his quiver full of them. They shall not be ashamed, but they shall speak with the enemies in the gate. With heads bowed and eyes closed, a pianist coming to play. I know we have mostly children in those younger years, but it's good for you to see what's coming. When you know what's coming, you can prepare properly for it. And it's coming quicker than you want. P, potential for great or for destruction. The stakes are high. T, time, time to spend with, to restrain, to show love to give acceptance. S, selfishness, to show the real joy in life, to consider others, to give, to serve like Jesus, to understand the eternal. And then D, for direction, that parents can properly guide, that children can hear God's voice directing them. That's the goal, to have them plugged in to their Savior, to their Lord, to their Savior.
You know, the early years of life are quite challenging, aren't they? <laughs> uh, you guys particularly have been, had quite a challenge here lately, but every family through these sicknesses and things. But when the teen years come, the challenge intensifies. Next week, I'm to dis- Lord willing, I'm to describe what I think is the, really the most challenging, I'll tell you, it's the most challenging part of raising children. The time where the young adult prepares for the wedding altar. By this time, it's not that the challenges are so big, it's the time when you see the fruit. Good or bad. The boat that you prepared, is it going to float? The kite, will it fly? The rocket, will it fly straight? It's the nervousness. You've already taken the test. It's just now you get the grade card back with a grade. And there's no second chance. What's done is done. Though you'll rest from parenting one day, you will not rest from where your children and grandchildren are headed. Letting your kids go is a hard emotional thing in itself. Watching where they go is even a more overwhelming thing. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the message today. Lord, pray you spoke to our hearts, encouraged us, and helped us so that we don't mess up, that we don't end up in a place where, wow, it wasn't expecting this. Father, help us, and even when things go wrong and bad and we make mistakes, that we seek you, we admit to them, we move forward, and uh, just ask you to guide us in our life from the point where we're at, and we're all at different points. Help us pray for one for another as families, praying for families. For we ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen.